I'm over here now. I was over there. Now I'm over here. Sure. I'll bring all my shoes and my, my glasses with me. So I have them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with the OGs on the block to see the terror Eating pasta, primavera, feeding caca, be together People never know the wild shit we might say Grew up on Eddie Murphy, Jerky Boys, and Dice Play. I've been waking up nights, screaming Brooklyn Blast podcast Mama took my porn mags, jerkins, and a soft rags Easy when we talk about Mr. Ferrari Cause we go way back when we used to play Atari Sparked weed, taking shots like the Fratelli's RV Doing donuts in the parking lot at Arby's Car keys, now you can't leave, lock the door Please, Jimmy's on a mission. Time to start the intervention. Let's go. Episode 185 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast with my friend over here, another Detroit guy, uh, Enzo D, Dogs of War, Hate Incorporated, Cold as Life, The Alliance, Cast and Fire, Strength of Reality. Right? I, I did my homework a little. You bit. did. You did, man. Very cool, man. <laughs> How you been? What's going on? Let's get into stuff. I have no map. Wherever you want to begin, do you want to go back in the day? Do you want to... We could try to go chronological, even though we're going to wind up being all over the place anyway. It doesn't really make a difference. But uh, I'll just kick it off like this, man. Born and raised in Detroit? Yeah, yeah. About a mile. About a mile from Detroit border. Okay. Yeah. So how how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'll be 47 in about four days. All right, we're to say happy birthday. We're to say I just turned 45, so it's... Oh, like, shoot, happy birthday, bro. Thanks, man. Yeah, same generation. Same, yep. We're the same age, basically. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so everybody knows, I mean, as every... Well, people who listen to this, you as well know that I just recently, a few episodes ago, I did one with Jeff Gunnels. Right. Um, it was like the first... Besides Rap Bones, um, he was the first like Detroit guy that I had on here. And uh, I, I always found it interesting because I'm from New York and I've seen all the phases of New York. You know, I, I was born in 75. I vaguely remember the late 70s. The 80s was a shit show. You had the crack era and yes. all that shit was bananas. And, you know, there's Harlem and Brownsville and all these places in Brooklyn where I don't know how I survived. I've been to crazy places and crazy situations. But I said it often on this podcast that I really enjoy a good shit show. Yeah. You know I, mean? I do. I love the shit show. <laughs> um, as I get older, I'm like, all right, I don't really want this shit show anymore. You know, right. because I'm not, you know, 17. Yeah, but so, but that whole Detroit murder capital of the world, cold as life, like that, oh, that whole thing always fascinated me. Even though I'm sure it wasn't a fucking legit fun place to be back in the day, I'm sure, you know. So I want I would see if you want if you're able to. How was it? Like, can you paint a picture of? What the fuck you saw, like, growing up, how your household was, like, shit like that. You know, well, growing up wasn't bad. You know, I had mom, dad, two brothers, you know, dad worked all the time. Um, You know, we weren't poor or nothing, but we weren't rich. Right. You know, we got by and, uh, you know, the the typical 70s and 80s kid growing up, skateboarding and bike riding and, 
you know, sneaking off to see shows when I wasn't supposed to at the local Blondies. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, you know, it, it was really fun times, man. D- Detroit was a rough place. So, you know, th- those pictures you see from 20, 30 years ago, I mean, it was a desolate place. They just started fixing it up again, probably 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, rebuilding stuff and knocking buildings down. But I mean, it looked like an atomic bomb went off. I you see know. some of those pictures and it's, I mean, I believe it obviously because you look at pictures of like the Bronx and the lower East side of Manhattan from like the seventies and it, yeah. it's fucking desolate. It, yep. looks, so, it looks like Europe, world war two. Yeah. Same type of thing, man. Yeah. You, you, you guys same way out there, man, you know, but as, as kids growing up and teenagers, we kind of thrived in that, you know, we, we found our own, we, we found our, you know, friends that we hung out with and we all kind of stuck together. You know, even if we were out on the streets doing what we weren't supposed to be doing, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like a rite of passage, though, don't you think? Like like our generation, it's like, I look at the kid now, I'm going to sound like the old man, get off my lawn type shit. But, you know, I look at the kids now and it's like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? You're playing video games. You're not even leaving the house. And it's just like... Like in my neighborhood, it was like you walk to any park of any school, any schoolyard would yeah. be packed, packed with kids forties and blunts. One <laughs> park, one park would have a beef with this park. Next thing you know, there's like a hundred kids walking down the street from this park going to fight these kids and yep. all kinds of burnt out buildings and the drugs and everything like that. And it's like it was kind of like. Like I said, like my generation and the people that I hung around with, and it's also time and place, you know what I mean? Yeah. Neighborhood yeah. people, you just get wrapped up in that shit and it becomes, you know, part of life and fun, but hectic and crazy. It's like, I look back and I laugh, you know, it's like, but at the time, you know, if I really step back and I think I'm like, I thought I was having fun, but some of those nights were fucking scary, man. And right. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, I, totally. You, you tend to glorify it in your later years because you live through it and you kind of laugh at that shit. Right. That shit was like hell, bro. You know, you, you, you look back and you go, man, I'm, I had a guardian angel over my shoulder, for you know, fucking, for, for literally decades. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, many, many of them times, brother. Yeah, man. I mean, fuck. So you started like. But how old were you when you first started? Well, actually, like when you found like this punk rock hardcore shit that destroyed all of our lives. Well, you know, it was kind of crazy because I had this older cousin. Um, he's like 10 years older than me and I still have him. But he hung out with a bunch of guys that, you know, they were in the music scene, like rock and roll and stuff like that. And they, uh, you know, they told me about negative approach. So this was like the early 80s, man. I was just like 11, 12 years old. And I'm like, you know, who are these guys? I I want to go see him, but my parents were not having any of that shit, you know? Right. So, so, you know, as you know, a year or two goes on, you know, we, we start getting into thrash metal and hardcore skating and, you know, figuring out who the Cro-Mags was. I remember, uh, probably 85 or 86, 86, when age of coral came out, Metallica master puppets came out. Yeah. There was a few other records and those all dropped at the same time, man. And then that it was on after that DRI, you know? Yeah, man. That kind what of thrash, what a, dude. What a, what a great era for music, man. Oh, 
It was the best, man. It's the best, the best. I still listen to all that shit. Like, like I don't think like kids nowadays. Like, oh, you have the song on the radio, but then in in three weeks, everyone forgot about it. You'll never. Oh yeah. You, you you know it's not appreciated like how we appreciate shit from thirty fucking five years ago. I still right. listen to this day. Yeah, no, me too, man. I still got the same Age of Coral CD I bought brand new in '86. How the fuck is that thing not scratched? Oh, it's scratched. <laughs> it just still works. <laughs> I kept it in its case. Yeah, that's the nice. only one I kept in the case, man. You know, I tried to preserve that old stuff. Yeah, man. Because <laughs> you know, there, there ain't nothing like it. You can still put it on and turn it up all the way, and it still sounds the same. Man. It still gives you that same feeling in your heart, like, fuck. all right, man, it's yeah. time to put the boots on and then, uh, you know, go do some stomping, man. Of course, <laughs> without a doubt, it's 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 one of the it's one of the fucking cornerstones. Oh yeah, Without totally, man. Big yeah. influence on my life. A lot of our lives. Yeah. A lot of people. A lot of mutual friends' lives, big time. Oh, for sure. That you know, Agnostic Front's another one. Oh, uh, man, Victim and Pain. Victim and Pain and Liberty and Justice, man. Those are like my favorites. And you, you know what came out that era too was Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law came out. Yeah. So I had got that on clear vinyl, man, and that was the first clear vinyl record. It was like a green tint, but clear. Yeah. I was like, I, dude, I wanted to hang that thing on my wall, yeah, you know? <laughs> completely different, completely different. A hardcore band, completely different vibe. Super fun, super cool. But dude, they sung about America. You know, America rules, man. America you know? rules. Like, <laughs> it still rules. It still <laughs> rules. Damn yeah. right, it fucking still rules. Yeah, shout out to Jimmy G there, you know, and Todd oh, Hughes. One of the, one of the greatest front men to ever step on this. Oh, stage. man. Yeah, awesome. Awesome, my yeah. brother. Yeah, and it's, it's funny that you said Liberty and Justice because that was the record that turned me on. That was the first Agnostic Front record that I ever heard. Yeah, And yeah. I was a complete metalhead at that time. So it was like perfect. That and Born to Expire, Leeway. Oh, were yeah. Ones, were the ones that took Badass. me to being a metalhead and then finding out about hardcore. And then, and then I went in reverse. Like I, yeah. I found Liberty and Justice and I went back. And at first, listen, I listened to Cause for Alarm. And I'll be honest, the first time I listened to it, I really didn't like it. Because yeah, it was different. Because the way Raja sounds like Dracula possessed on yeah. fucking on <laughs> Liberty and Justice. And it's completely different Raja on Cause for Alarm. But then yeah. the pain, I was like, all right. And then, it, but Cause for Alarm grew on me. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, it's incredible. Liberty and Justice was my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that was the, that that record is just so powerful, man. It, it's like after going from thrash metal, you hear that and you're like, that stuff ain't nothing compared to this, man. Yeah. These guys are just ripping mad leads and you know, Rip just it. power riffs and just just brutal, you know. Brutal. That whole record <laughs> from down is fucking brutal, man. Oh, totally. Yeah. And then one voice and one voice is nothing oh. to fucking sneeze at either. Yep. Yeah, one voice, man. It, that was that was awesome, man. Being able to see them come on off of liberty and justice to the one voice tour yeah um was just an awesome time for that band man yeah man i saw them for the first time because there was that i was a little bit too young or i just i just wasn't at cbs at that time when they when they recorded live at cbgb's oh yeah but i was i was too young i just wasn't there and then but i first time i saw them was on that one voice tour and i seen them a million times but yeah. what a fucking what a great fucking era for music, you know what I mean? Well, that that live at yeah, we live at CBGB's man was it's, it's, it, it's that's that's the record I got. I got that, 
and, and I, I loved it so much. I went out and got the tattoo on my arm and my mom kicked me out of the house at the tattoo studio. She came up there. Nice. Oh yeah. <laughs> she came up there was half done. She's like, you're not getting this tattoo. And the guy tattooing me is like, lady, it's too late. It's already half done. He's stopping now. Yeah. And that was it, man. You got boots tattooed on them. That's it. It's, that's it, brother. It's the grave. That's it. It's over. It's over. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. See, I knew we were going to go off the rails, but it's all good. So you, fa- all right. So, you know, you found the chrome eggs and shit. And then at that, at this point, were you already going to shows? I was just getting into shows. Yeah, I was just about that age. Yeah. 15, 14, 15, right before I got my license. Yeah. My parents wouldn't let me go to those shows just because, you know, it was in Detroit and they didn't know what was going on, but we, you know, we started sneaking off. So it was probably about, you know, 87, 88. I was actually allowed to go see bands play when I got my license. Yeah. So yeah. It, Do you remember who the first show was? Who played? It was, uh, it was local Detroit bands. It was ALD. I don't know if you ever heard of Almighty Lumberjacks of Death. They were like a, a vague. A, I don't know their music, but I vaguely remember that name. Yeah, it was right before. Uh, it was right before Christmas. It was ALD. It was SBLC, um, and Disgust. So it was. Okay. It was three of the local like skinhead punk bands, man. Right. And it was badass, dude. I, I was like packed out. Like Blondie's was a small place, and you got like a hundred, two hundred people in there. I mean, you couldn't even move, and it was sweat and beer flying everywhere, and you know the. the <laughs> The, the floor, dude, the, the floor was black and white tiles. So it, it, the drain would back up every time somebody flushed the toilet. So you'd be <laughs> in the pit there, dude, just fly. You come out covered in black, smelly shit every time you uh, went into the pit at that place. Yeah. Ask <laughs> Rap Bones about that. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. I have to, I have to do another Paula Rap Bones. He was on twice. Oh, yeah. He likes to talk about himself. And I love that dude. It was like He's, one day I was in this city and I was like, I don't know, even know why I was in the city, but I was like, you know what? I had my like recording equipment on me. And I called up rap. I was like, you busy? He's like, nah. I'm like, well, where are you? He's like, I'm home. He's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm like four blocks from your house. I'm yeah. like, you want to do a fucking part two in a podcast? He's like, yeah, sure. Come on up. And we sat down. We did part two like out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Why not, man? He's got a lot of stories. Yeah, man. He gets into a lot of shit on his, man. You know, living on the streets and shit. So how do you meet Rap Bones back in the day? I met him at Blondie's, man, at like one of them shows. And uh, I don't even know how we started hanging out. I remember we'd like, I'd see him at shows and I, I was like these, you know, like all the dudes from Cola's Life and him were a few years older than me. So I was like, they used to call me Little Vinny back then. Right. Because I was, you know, a young kid, man. And they were like, you know, two, three years older than me. So they were, they were up and in the scene and all this shit. So, yeah. you know, I, I remember the one night, I, I didn't really know how to fight that good. I could fight, but, uh, you know, rap owns like, do you, do you know how to fight man? And I'm like, well, yeah, I think I do. He's like, let me show you how. And he goes right up to the bar, man. There's this long hair there, dude. He, he's like, he's like, come with me, man. Do what I do. There's these two long hairs. He, he grabs one. He's like, just wrapped his hands around their hair and just started kneading them in the head, dude. And he's like, do it. So we both did it, man. And he looks at me, he's like, there you go. Now you know how to fight. And I was <laughs> like, white rap bones, you know, okay, bro. <laughs> but I was like, man, I was like his little brother. Hey, I, I, you know, I got to do what you're telling me to do, man. We're rolling yeah. tough down here, living on the streets, you know? 
Yeah, that's funny because knowing Rap Bones now, like he's like completely different. Oh yeah, yeah. aren't we, we all though? Yeah, we all are you absolutely. Know? But just thinking back, like Rap Bones doing that, I find that shit hilarious. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, man. It, it it was some funny times, and that's just one out of like hundreds of times that crazy shit went down you know as a kid sure dude after that i just you know i felt accepted with them guys man they were like my brother so shoot i would just go down you know i would drive downtown and pick him up and we'd go out partying you know yeah all the weekends you know friday saturday and then start the week off again working back at home right so now I remember you 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 told me like not obviously not on camera here um but but you told me that you actually was it Ron lived with you? No, I lived with Ron. You lived with Ron. Yeah. Okay. What so, was that like? Because <laughs> you know, everyone knows the stories and the uh what what should I call it? The uh the 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 mystique and the legacy that surrounds that guy. You know, we Ron, man, I love the guy. I love to hate him sometimes, you know. Yeah. But uh you know, he was like a big brother to me. And that, that night I got that tattoo and got kicked out of my house. We went to Blondie's and it was 99 cent pitcher night. And after getting kicked out and tattooed, man, we, I don't know how many pitchers we drank until I was throwing up in the outside in the snow. And, uh, you know, Ron was like, you don't got no place to go. You can come stay with me. I got, you know, an extra room. And I mean, this was deep, deep, deep down on the East side of Detroit. At, uh, it was at, uh, Jefferson and Alter which is like right on the river, but it was desolate, man. You know, he, I think it was, an, he had a six or eight foot fence with barbed wire around the top. So nobody could get in. I mean, the neighborhood was horrible. It really? was, yeah, you can, you can walk down the street by yourself. You get, oh, your, shit. You get jumped. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I ended up spending a couple nights at my buddy's house cause he drove me home. And then I went to Ron's probably three days later and moved in with him, man. And, as soon as I got there, I mean, he had a case of beer and we were partying, but, uh, dude, the house had no heat. You know, it was, it was rough. Rat bones had, he lived upstairs. Um, another buddy of ours, Scott Sharky Reams, uh, he passed away. I think the same year Ron did or a year before, um, another brother of ours got killed by a drunk driver, but you know, much love to that guy. He had a, he had a heated water bed. So whenever he'd like go out of town or whatever, he'd be like, Vinny, you could stay in my room and sleep in the warm water bed because it was winter time, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, it was winter. It was cold. It was so cold. You, your, your knees would knock together at night. No shit. Yeah, it was brutal, man. But, you know, it, I didn't have a job at the time. And, you know, Ron was working at this place called, uh, what the heck was it? Capital Communications answering phones, man, for the Police Officers Association. Oh, my but, God. That's go figure, right? So he's like, he's like. And this is how the whole Cola's Life thing started. Um, <laughs> he, uh, the, the, the band had changed their name from Manchester Rats to Cola's Life. And, you know, they, they were writing some brutal music, man. And uh, the guy that let me stay at his house a few nights before was my best friend, Rob Permanent. He started playing bass with them. So they would practice at his house and I'd stay at Ron's. Ron was like, listen, man, you ain't got a job. I'm putting you to work. And I'm like, oh, okay. What's he, you know, do I got to work on a house or something? Right. And uh, no, he's like, you're going to roadie for us, lift the equipment. And I'm like, okay. So what I, you know, I loved it, dude. I was like, heck yeah, man. And I played guitar. I, I played guitar and I was just learning riffs and stuff, but I would, you know, I'd take their demo tapes and practice their songs in my bedroom and shit. And, uh, you know, we did the roadie thing, man. And it, it, it was a rough night, rough nights because, 
you know, every time I went with him, Ron was like two different guys. He was sober Ron and then he was drunk Ron. Right. He started drinking, you know, and, and God rest his soul, man. He, he really, he, he did have a heart, man. And if he loved you, he loved you. Right. He hated you. Dude, he would torture you, bro. If if you were in the same room anywhere, he would torture you or start a fight with you, beat your ass, whatever. Yeah, that's that's a general consensus about this guy. Well, no, and and the messed up part was you could be his best friend hanging out with him. There'd be many nights where he'd be like, at the end of the night, he would just start looking at people going, who's the king? And we're like, what do you mean, who's the king? No, who's the king? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it was yeah. like, all right, we better uh, you know, get a ride home or uh uh-huh. he's he's on it. He's on it. Dude, someone's gonna get it tonight. <laughs> we, we there used to be a saying, man, uh, amongst all of us, who's it gonna be tonight type thing oh. going on, you know? Yeah. And and the dude, man, he he was a street brawler, bro. He he knew how to fight. Yeah. I seen him knock, I mean, bodybuilders out, bouncers. All kinds of crazy shit. When I was in high school, there was a tough guy in our high school. I'm not going to mention his name. Right. But he was six foot, football player. You know, the in the 80s, it was you were a burnout. Not not a jock, but a burnout jock, you know. Yeah. Smoked cigarettes. Dude worked out, could bench 300 pounds. I mean, tough. Beat up everybody around our neighborhood. Ron found out about this guy. He showed up at school one day at 3 o'clock to fight this dude. And and they fought for about an hour and there ended up being like almost a draw because neither of them would give up. No, I mean, like pounding their heads into the concrete, just like, I mean, brutal, dude. Wow. I'm surprised the police didn't stop it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there, there's so many stories about that, you know, going on, man. But I'll tell you, he he was such a big brother that if we went to shows and and somebody was messing with you, I remember one time I took my buddy from Livonia never been the blondies, nothing. We shaved his hair into a mohawk dude and stuck it up and he put my leather on. We took him out there and this big old like Samoyan looking dude just body slammed him and broke his thumb. I mean, just bent it like all the way back. And I'm like, Ron, we need some help, man. This dude's like in the pit and he was drunk. You know, he was doing that football where you push it, you go around yeah. pushing everybody. That and everybody was like, shit. Yeah. dude, right? So uh, I hate the push mosh guys. Right, bro. So what does Ron do? He gets a fresh pitcher of beer and stands at the edge of the pit like this. <laughs> so the dude come around, pushes, spilled his beer, and he just hit him over the head with the pitcher. And he, he fought him all the way outside. The dude grabbed a brick, tried to beat Ron with the brick. Ron took the brick out of his hand, hit him with the brick, knocked the guy out. He had lumps all over his head, man. I never seen nothing like it. Cops come out, arrest that dude. They shook Ron's hand and left. No I'm shit. Like, wow, dude. <laughs> it was like one of them deals, man. You're like, you don't mess with this guy. This is like my big brother here, you know? Yeah. Hey, listen, it's somebody good to have on your side. That's for fucking oh, shit. Oh, for sure, man. But if he was on the opposite side, yeah. Yeah, watch You don't out. want that. <laughs> yeah. For sure, man. Yeah. So is that so is that like when you met Jeff and all the other guys? Yeah. Yeah, that's the the first time I saw them, uh, my buddy Rob that was playing bass for them, he had had a party where they were still the mattress rats and they played the party uh, with Full Circle, um, which is Craig's Holloway's old band. Nice. When he did all the work, if you ever look up Full Circle and the artwork, it's just crazy. Um, Still. Oh, yeah. He's never changed. And I went to, you know, we all went to school together, so we all knew each other. Yeah. But that's the first time I met, you know, Jeff, Jeff, and Roy. Yeah. Um, 
And then we became friends, you know, after living at Ron's house, it was like, you know, I seen him all the time because I was roadie and we were going to practice together, you know? Yeah. I was living there. Ron's like, you're coming with me. So it was what that deal was. Put your ass to work, little Vinny. Dude, he put me to work. All right. Nice. You know, what was now who was in and what was your, the first band that you ever got into or formed or whatever? First band I ever played with uh, was called Positively Negative. Okay. And that was about 1989. They were like a punk thrash band. Um, They're a really good band. Uh, their, their guitar player quit. And, you know, I filled in for a while. We didn't really do nothing special. Um, right. Did that for about a year. And then we moved on and we started Strength of Reality, okay. which was like, uh, you know, my boy Rob McCallum, uh, Jay Navarro from the Suicide Machines. Uh, he, he played bass, uh, my brother, my little brother, Mikey, he was like, dude, I don't even know how old he was 14 at the time. He played drums for us. It, awesome. it was like, yeah. Yeah. And it was like, right. almost like youth crew style stuff with like crazy breakdowns. Okay. Um, you know, we, we did that for a couple years. Is there anything available? Can, like, is there anything like you can listen to of that? Of Strength of Reality? I, well, Rob just sent me a CD about, I don't know, a year ago that he found, he took original tapes and had it made into a CD. Mm -hmm. So it's like us live practicing. Um, But we had actually booked the studio to record a seven inch. We had, we had artwork done, everything. And we went to the studio and they double booked and they're like, well, we can't have you. We got somebody in here all weekend. And everybody got disappointed. Some crazy shit went down. Rob had to leave the state and you know, he moved out of state to do his thing. And, we just never finished it. We still talk about it to this day, like going back and recording all the songs, you know, yeah. just to do it. Why but not? I know. It, it, it's it's still, nostalgic reasons, dude. It, it would be cool, man. It would be cool. It's very simple music, but, you know, it had a lot of meaning to us at the time, you know. Of course. Bring that shit back. Why the fuck not? It's not like you're going to go on a world tour. Just right. bring that and just re-record it and put it out there. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, steals it, music anyway, so just put it out there. Let people For listen. real. Yeah, because I still have all the old artwork here on a poster board that we were going to use. So, yeah, it it would be really cool to do that. Yeah, man. Why the fuck not? Just for the fuck of it. <laughs> what have you got to lose? Hey, we did get to play one show with Cola's Life, so it was pretty awesome. Oh, there you go. Listen. Fuck. So now where does... Now, I don't know. Like, I know the band you were in, but I don't know, like, the chronological... Well, I really don't think I know the chronological. What was next? Cast and Fire? No, we did uh Giants. No, that that was a little bit later. After that, we did uh we did a band called the Detroit Hoods with with Rob that played bass from Cold as Life. Okay. And I sang and played guitar. And it was like uh kind of fast punk. Okay. Uh almost like the exploited sound and stuff with some breakdowns and stuff in it. Mm-hmm. It was different, man. We did that for three years, but we just jammed out at parties and at his house and we, you know. We recorded, but lost the recordings. Uh, it's one of them deals, you know, another one of them deals yeah. to where it's like, we did it for, I don't know, three years until 1995, 96-ish. Okay. And then uh, we broke that off and started Dogs of War originally. Um, we got together with Brian Sant, uh, that's our singer, Jay Clifton, another local guy. Um, Tim Alford played in the band. A, a bunch of guys from other bands you know, my brother, Jake, he's been in every band I've been in since the beginning. He's a bass player, drummer. He does a little bit of everything, guitar player. Nice. Um, uh, but we did that. We we got a demo going, which 
like everybody loved it. We started playing shows, I think it was late 96, early 97. Um, you know, when a lot of bands were coming around Detroit area, we got to play a lot of that stuff. Um, yeah. you know, and then, you know, we did a full length and got that out and we kind of, after that, we were like, all right, we're cool. Um, and then I got with Lenny from earth mover and also he's, you know, singer from poison tongues to start casting fire. Uh-huh. So you know, is another mix mix up of all the local bands. See, we all practiced at my house. So we'd have three or four or five bands at a time practicing at my house and we would just switch instruments. I mean, I usually sang or played guitar, so I didn't really switch up. But like my brother, he like my brother Jake, he played uh, you know, bass for Dogs of War. Well, he he's played drums for Cast and Fire. Right. So you know, it's one of them. I deals. always found those those guys that could do that like fucking weirdos. Like how the fuck like Dude, I don't know. Bro, how you're singing, you're playing lead guitar, rhythm guitar, bass player, you're over there playing a harp. What the fuck's wrong with you? That's my brother Jake. He's the same way. Like, like he uh he filled in a few times for Cola's life and played lead guitar and stuff. And it was like, you know, towards those old, you know, when I was in the band. Yeah. But uh, you know, we we jumped around and just made it work. And we actually, you know, we put out a, a CD, still not happy with that recording, but you know, we went Who to Europe. Span Dogs of War or Cast and Fire? Uh, Cast and Fire. Okay. You know, we, we got on Gennett Records in Europe and toured Europe over there. Did a uh, bunch of shows cool. around here. Yeah, it was cool, man. They made it to fucking Europe. A lot of bands never even made it to make it to Europe. Now, a lot of bands don't even make it out of their fucking neighborhood. Yeah, and it was cool when we got over there. We we got on a 7-inch, too. So we had a 7-inch out on Toy Store Records with Marin over there. Um, Good people. I mean, you know, we had a blast. Yeah. So, you know, we got back and then uh, Lenny... Uh, he was ready to go into the army or the service and, you know, kind of split off doing that. And we were like, all right, well, we need to get something else going. So Joe Hyde, which sang for the Alliance and the band called Hyde, he, uh, he was on tour with us in Europe and he's like, man, I want to sing. So we just started writing music pretty much with a few of the guys at Cast and Fire. And uh, we started the Alliance out, hmm. which, you know, that turned into a whole nother full-time gig too, man. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I did, we did a demo with them. Uh, we recorded the demo in my basement and then we put out a full length, um, which I don't even think, think you can get that anymore. And then, uh, you know, me and my brother left the band to get dogs war going again. And those guys went on, I think they put two more records out. They did really good. And they, they, you know, they were an awesome band, tight band. Um, but you know, me and my brother went back, got dogs war going again. So now, but when you got Dogs of War back the first, the, actually the second time, did did you release the first record yet? Yeah. Okay. The first record was out. Okay. We had it finished and it was up in the air and, you know, we had artwork and, you know, we kind of threw it together to get it out there. Sure. And then, uh, you know, the original record had Brian Sant singing on it. Um, and, you know, he went on his own little journey for a while. So, you know, we were tired of waiting around. And I was like, you know what, dude, I, I sung all the backups. I can sing the songs, you know, I'll play guitar and sing. Yeah. So we kind of, we kind of flip flop. We found another bass player. My, my brother, Jake got on lead guitar. So it was both of us. And, uh, we got Jesse, our, our good friend we grew up with. He played drums with Ramallah, Hate Incorporated. Oh, nice. Yeah. He, he's the drummer on, uh, uh, Clockwork Misery album. Okay. So, yeah. Great. So he was in them Great. bands. Record. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, so we did that with dogs of war and we toured for a few more years. Uh, we did a lot of stuff in New York, up and down the East coast, man. Yeah, That was like our, our, our happy place, you know? 
Sure. I, I might have like seen you guys almost like probably like by accident. You know what I no, mean? I think I think I think we met out there uh, before out in Queens or Brooklyn or something, because we used to go to Queens a lot and Rockaway Beach and, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of house parties out there. And yeah, man, you know, it was it, it was some good times, man. I got so much love for, you know, the New York family, man. I, yeah, dude. Always taking care of us. Yeah, man. Well, there's that whole thing. Like I said before, there's that similarity between detroit and new york it's like yeah we get it we get each other we understand Family. yeah uh, man, man. for real bro some dude from fucking uh you're from detroit or the lower east side and you're not really gonna fucking you know some dude from like arizona or some something from utah it's a big right? thing <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly idaho it's no, we're just just on the same level man i think sure yeah man so you had dogs. So you put dogs and wall back together for the second time. And yeah. That, when did you? When did you? Then you put you put out another record or no? Not yet. We we started. <laughs> it's messed up. Here's another messed up story. <laughs> so we did a couple demos. Right. We, we took them out, um, which some of them are on the internet. You can find them and the rest of them. I don't know where, what happened to them. I got them here, but uh, we started recording. Put that shit up. Yeah. I, well, you know, I made a bunch of copies. I was running, I, I started my own record label, which we put the first uh, Dogs of War record out on. But with touring and all that stuff and doing these three bands, man, it was like, I couldn't even keep up with the record label thing, you know, and I, I'm like, you know, doing DIY, Kinko's uh, album covers and all this stuff. You know what I mean? Whatever. Oh, there's not enough time in the day. I get it. Yeah. yeah and, the, and the recordings were good, but we just, we, we got, we did this United Crew recording. Um, which was supposed to go on a seven inch and that got, we shipped it all out and the dude flaked and lost the recording, lost the artwork, you know, it was, it, and, and at that point I was like pretty much disgusted. Yeah. And uh, we started recording another full length, which is right now just being finished after all these years. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. So we, it's, I think it's 12 songs. Um, and it's, it's hard hit, man. It's it's yeah. a lot of the songs from the demos and new ones we all wrote, but it's taken us this long to to finish it because, you know, in between we got it. We I'd say we had it three quarters of the way recorded, and then we got we got involved with Hate Incorporated and Cold as Life, and then it was like bam, full time job again. Yeah. You know? So it never got done, but it's getting done right now. Good. Yeah, I think all we got to do is uh, backup vocals and okay. mix it. And we're good. So great. So now, ha, where, time frame wise, I, I don't know. Um, when did you did you join Hate Incorporated before, after, or during the Coldest Life thing? Well, okay, this is how it started. So, so dogs. I, must, I know, I know, it's never fucking an easy thing. <laughs> no, no, it's it's kind, of, it's it's such a mixed up. But uh, that's why I can't keep track. No, I, you're you're, uh, you're getting my brain going here, man. Trying to keep track <laughs> with the dates on this. But uh, you know what had happened was is Dogs of War and Hate Incorporated player. We played our first shows together at this place called Pharaoh. So, you know we've always been friends and stuff. And, you know, Jeff was doing hating with them guys and stuff. And, uh, what had happened was, you know, the, this was 96 or seven. So fast forward to 2004, we got dogs of war back together. Hating was still going. They've had a few different lineups. Um, but I don't think they were playing a lot of shows is what it was. Right. Um, I could be wrong, 
Right. It was, it was more of like a side thing a little bit, maybe. Well, yeah, because Jeff was doing Cole's life full time. You know, I mean, he had all his stuff going on, too. And I just really wasn't paying attention. But, uh, you know, I think it was about 2004 when we got dogs going again. And, uh, you know, I, I had talked to Tom Beast, whatever that, that saying for Cole or uh, Hate Incorporated. Yeah. You know, and he we kind of got together and he's like, hey, man, would you would you want to fill in on a uh, guitar for a little while? Because, you know, his guitar player flaked or whatever. I don't know the whole story. Yeah. And I'm like, man, dude, I was like, I don't even know if I can learn this music because it's just the, the way Tom plays guitar is just it's so uh, intricate and just not your traditional style of playing guitar. Like right. you, you talk to anybody that's ever tried to play that music is like, dude, I don't even know how you play it. Right. Well, you got to sit down and play it and sit down with him and learn this stuff, you know, cause this is all over the neck, man. It's not how you, you know, some people you can just jump back and forth. Well, the way he, you know, it's played is not that way. Right. So, you know, me and my brother, he needed a bass player too. And then before, you know, we needed a drummer too. Um, so we got all three of us from dogs of war to do Hay incorporated. Gotcha. So now, so now we're, we're jamming at the house with Hay incorporated and, uh, <laughs> Jeff was still in the band that time. You know, we, we did some shows and played, um, but that was right when Ramallah was taken off. Right. So, you know, he was going to go on guitar and Hate incorporated. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it was me and him on guitar. And then, you know, when Ramallah took off, he, he had tours and all this crazy stuff booked. So, you know, I, I pretty much took over the guitar duties and it was just, it was just me on guitar from them then on out. So now um, you play, you only, you only play uh, as recorded wise. You only played on Clockwork Misery. I played on Clockwork Misery. And then, uh, that record life of pain that was put out the Craig Holloway artwork. Yeah. Uh, the, the re-release, the re-release, the side B is live at CBGB's. I'm right. on that. We played that show. Gotcha. So those two, I'm on that. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. I love those. Those three records are fucking ridiculous. And, and I say it all the time. Well, I don't say all the time, but I bring it up kind of often. It's like, First, all right, you 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 can't you can't fuck with cold as life. That's that's right. Can't. But I just I just don't understand how Hate Incorporated doesn't get more love than they do. You know, we we thought that too. You know, playing. I have band. no fucking idea because you listen to the one that I did with Jeff, right? Yeah. Yep. I'm. I'm. And I'll I'll say it forever. It's like. Born to Land Hard, Fraternal Order of Felons are the both grimiest, filthiest sounding, hardest records ever. And that's not and that's not putting down any other records. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's right. not saying that you know Life of Pain is is no good because it's that's just it's just not true. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But those two records. You listen to Fraternal Order of Felons. There's just something about that record. It's just filthy. I don't it's know. Raw. What it it's raw, man. It's so raw. Beast sounds like he's fucking possessed. The fucking <laughs> that 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 song, your broken place. That the oh yeah. The, the reverse shit in the beginning. All the Manson clips, like that whole fucking record. I fucking love that record, bro. The yeah, name of it, it's just fucking so fucking good, man. Yeah, if you picked it up and didn't know nothing about the band, you wouldn't know what you're getting into until no, you listen to it. No, it's just so fucking raw, dude. I yeah. love that album. I yeah, it's, it's it good stuff, man. Yeah. Fuck. So, well, then you went in, I mean, 
So I was, was, cause you started to sing for cold as life. Yeah. So now obviously Jeff went on vacation. Yeah. And, and I don't even remember what was going on at the time. Right. The, it, it was right around the whole Ramallah thing and whatever else was going on. But you know, what, what started that whole cold as life thing was, is, uh, dogs of war had played CBGBs and rat bones was there. So we're like, at the end, we're going to play cold as life and have rat bones sing it. And he so, sang the song cold as life. Yeah. Yeah. We got it on video. It's on YouTube. It's on um, YouTube. I've seen it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he did that. And then, you know, we got home and, you know, everybody was talking about it. You know, oh, you guys covered a cold as life song. And I'm like, okay, yeah. You know, I'm, I love the band. I, yeah. I Representing Detroit. Totally. Totally. And then, you know, what had happened with that was, is um, we were doing Hate Inc. And uh, Jesse couldn't do a couple shows on drums. So Roy, Roy from Cold as Life stepped yeah. in and was, he, those guys would take turns, you know, playing the drums. Um, so Roy got in. So we started jamming some Cold as Life tunes, you know, and, and I never wanted to sing for that band. I'll be honest with you. I didn't. I'm a guitar player. Right. I sing and play guitar, but. I wanted to just play guitar, right. you know, and, and, and then it came up, well, why don't we do a reunion tour type thing? And, and I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. And, you know, those guys kicked it, kicked it around for a while. And then, you know, we had a few different lineups. We had Emery, uh, he was, he was playing second guitar and he passed away yeah, during all this well, stuff. You know, I remember when Ewa passed away. Yeah. Yeah. My brother, God rest his soul. Um, and then we had Todd Pratt, which was another local guy that, you know, he's been in all kinds of bands. He was playing guitar too. Um, you know, and even Jay Way came around and, you know, possibly was going to play guitar, but, you know, it was, it was always kind of up in the air. And then finally, you know, I didn't really have an, uh, a part in orchestrating the lineup. You know what I mean? Those guys were like, we want you to sing. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't really want to sing. And then, well, they're like, you know, all the old songs. And I did, I had, I had Ron's all, all his old lyrics and stuff. I kept them over the years, um, in a, in a book. And I used to just sing them by myself, you know, you still no have, one was you around. Those original... they're somewhere. I don't know where they're at. They're somewhere. You probably in the... have them somewhere. Probably in my basement somewhere. I mean, I got stacks of junk in my basement, all band stuff all over the place. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah. And then it, it just, you know, I don't know. They asked me to do it. I was like, you know, I'll only do it as a tribute, tribute to the band and the Ron, you know, because that's what it was supposed to be at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't got no bad blood with nobody. I, th I think at, you know, when it happened, yeah, there were some people not happy. You know what I mean? And, and of course, you know, and, and yeah, I, I get it. You know, you can understand it, I guess. But, you know, I, I can't look back and say, you know, I, I didn't do it. I did it you know, whatever. We, I, I never made any money off of it. We just went around and, and toured the U S and did a, a Europe tour yeah. and, uh, you know, played a few festivals here and there. And then, you know, that was pretty much it for me. Yeah. Um, you know, so I had how, how long probably time-wise. I don't know. I think it was probably three. Let me see. Last show we played was, uh, uh, what's that one summer of hate in Cleveland. And that was 2011. So probably from 2006, to 2011 all right so about five years yeah but we didn't play all the time you know what i mean it was like a show here and there and then if something big came up and but you know at the time i had my son was just born he was two and then 
my daughter was just born in, in 2010. So, you know, I was like, I, I can't keep going on tour and leaving them. I'm not, I'm not making any money. I got to pretty much take vacation time off work. And sure. you know, I was pretty much the only one that had a full-time job at doing this too. Yeah. You know, so that kind of pretty much, you know, ended everything at that point. Right. You know, for me. I get it. So then now, now when, when in that time frame did you go into the studio to record Clockwork Misery for Hayden Incorporated? That was in the middle. I think probably what 2007, 2008 around there. I was going to say it's around. It's all around that same time frame. Man, man, we were practicing. I was doing band stuff five to six days a week here. You know what I mean? And it was like no breaks, dude. And it it was I was getting burned out. To be honest with you, you know, singing when we did Europe, I would do play guitar and hate ink, get off the stage, and then sing for Cola's Life. So it was like double duty, dude. I was burned out, man. You know what I mean? After all that, it was just, it was too much work. Yeah, man. But it was fun while we did it. Misery is a fucking incredible record too, man. It's fucking ridiculous. The production on that record is better than the other two records production-wise. Yeah, yeah, I love that record. It's a fucking great record. All you kids that aren't fucking smartened up that are are listening to this, (laughs) you need to fucking listen to that shit. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. If you like fucking Coldest Life, you can't not like fucking hate incorporated or dogs of war for that matter. It's like, yeah, that's, that's still one of my favorite records. For the same people. It's the same shit. Like it's so good. Yeah. If people only knew how it, it really was at my house here, you know, in Detroit, it's, it's like, we just, we'd all show up and have band practice, man. And we'd switch lineups and, you know, it, it got to the point where I'd have to do them on different nights of the week. Cause we'd be going for four or five hours, you know, of course. So man, that must have been a complete shit show. Dude, it, it was so, right. man. Yeah. I, I got some good neighbors. That's, that's all I can say. I was going to say, you, you people around you must have fucking wanted to kill you. Oh, dude. Well, you know, I've been here probably the longest on my street, you know, so nobody really messes around. It's Detroit. We make yeah. some noise, but I, you know, we wouldn't go till like one or two in the morning. We'd probably cut it off, I think, 10 30 or 11, just so people could sleep, you know? Yeah. Because it was loud. It wasn't insulated. Well, yeah. It was loud. And we cranked yeah. <laughs> I don't think Coldest Life is doing a fucking acoustic jam in your living room. No, no, it was never quiet. <laughs> of course not. Yeah. That's fucking hysterical, man. So yeah, yeah, awesome the, you have fucking Dogs of War shit is almost done, man. New shit. Well, yeah. not new to you, but new to everyone else. That's great. Yeah, and in the meantime, we got Brian back on vocals, so we're writing more new stuff right now. So it's like, we, we really need to get this record out, and you know, Craig Holloway, you know, he did all the work for that record years ago. So, you know, I just want to get it out and get it. Is in that the one hands. with the dogs on it and the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready. I've been ready, but it's just taking time, you know, and then dealing with the studio and him having time to do it. Sure. Because um, so, the same guy, Jay Clifton, that recorded the uh, Hate Ink stuff, is re- he recorded that record too. So, okay. yeah. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm stoked, man. It's time. You should put out all your old old shit too, man. That's that's the next thing to do is go through all the files here and find all the old CDs because everything's stashed, man. And like all the computer stuff I got's outdated. Yeah. You know, in the last 10, 15 years. It's like upload it to fucking Spotify, man. Have people fucking pay a dollar to download a song. I was talking to my brother, man. That's what we want to do. Cause I, you know, I don't know how to do all this crap, man. All this technology crap. Oh, I I, I, I I know the bare minimum just to get by to do this. Me too. You know, Me too. That's it. I'm probably the best at like Photoshop, but that's like my program. It's an old version. 
and that's it. I can get a brand new version tomorrow, you know, pay hundreds of dollars for it. I right. Have an old version, it's like 10 years old. I can't <laughs> buy, you know, I I make everyone says they love my flyers. I just have my own style. I do my own shit. But yeah, like killer so, stuff, man. Yeah, other than that, I, I know how to press record on this thing. And then that's it. Away we go. Yeah. <laughs> post a little something on Instagram. It's really other than that. I don't fucking know nothing, man. As far as like, because I send this to my friend Tim. Shout out to Tim Anderson Jr. He lives in Philly and he does the Ill Street News podcast. Oh, so cool! Hardcore and metal and all kinds of stuff. And yeah. I send him the file, and he'll attach my intro and like a song or whatever at the end. And he'll attach it. Like I don't even know how to do that. He's like, dude, it's right. the easiest thing in the world. I'm like, it probably is. But that shit rattles me for some reason. I don't know. Like, I'm not good with, like, electrician shit. Like, electricity. Like, why is I'm not good? And, like, audio shit. Not good. Yeah. <laughs> Close. I hear you, brother. Illiterate. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, so now, you, you, um, you have a, a, a race car. Yeah. I got a couple, actually. Do you? Okay. But- Let's get into that. What, what, what is it you do besides the music? Because I see your car, or I see I, I, one that I know is yours. Yeah. And it's badass. I'm not like the car, like I appreciate it, but that's another thing. I don't know a lot about cars. I don't know. Yeah. It's cool, but I don't know. I bring my thing to, I hear a little clicking in my truck. I bring it to a guy. I don't know nothing. The, the cool thing about that car is that's a New York car. That car was built in 1962 in Brooklyn, New York. No shit. As a drag car. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, a guy, a guy named Bob Allen, Tony Russo, built the car. And it was in New York up until about four years ago when I bought it. Really? But it's been a race car since 1962. So it's got connections to the East Coast there. Like, the, I'm still friends with the Russo family. They're all there. Uh, Jack Merkel Speed Shop is one that sponsored it. Uh, his sons still run it. One of his sons actually lives out here now, and he was out at the track last weekend with me, um, which was cool because he never seen the car in person. He said maybe when he was like six years old with his dad at the drag strip or something, but yeah. you know, that's, that's what we do for fun, man. We go out racing. Um, I'm a, I'm a mechanic by trade, so I'm always wrenching, building engines and you know, that kind of gearhead stuff. Yeah, that's cool. I wish I knew how to do that shit, man. Spend it's so- fun, man. It's, you know, see, it's weird. I, I was in the, <coughs> I was in the air force in the mid nineties. Okay. Right now. I worked on jet engines, like on fucking like F-15s and F-16s. Like yeah, that's hardcore. Jets. It's fucking awesome. It was great. Yeah. But it's not like, oh, you go in there and now you're dealing with the fucking Air Force. So it's not like, oh, you're just going to put something on a lift and fucking start wrenching away. No, you have, they're called TOs. They're called technical orders. And okay. it's basically a gigantic fucking rack. They look like encyclopedias. And basically it's instructions. It's oh, I got you. Step, yeah. Step by step. I mean, because certain things have to be a specific amount of fucking foot pounds or inch pounds of torque for certain. Oh, yeah. Things. You yep. know, you're dealing with fucking fighter jets. But it was really dope like, where, you know, uh, you know, we would get a call into the shop because they would, you could either work out on the flight line, the runway, in a, in a hangar, or you work in the back shop where you did like more like get into more maintenance you know what i mean like if something really fucked up like they yeah. could be engines on rails like a, like a, like like an engine on a rail for, for months it's all depends. Yep. so it would be cool like i was stationed up in alaska elmendorf air force base like right outside of anchorage 
and it'd be fucking snowing out and shit. And we would get a call out from the flight line. Yeah, you know, blah, 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 hangar, whatever. All right, so we go out there in a truck with rails, you know, in a trailer, and we we take the... It's almost like the plane is taking a shit. You pull the fucking... You pull it out of the ass of the plane, you load it up, and you bring it back in, and you get down to it, and you start breaking it all down and piece by piece and everything. And then, you know, however long it took, and then we bring it back out X amount of days or weeks or months later, and we put it back into the plane, and... A, Obviously, I'm not the last fucking line of defense with putting this engine in there. There's a right. whole bunch of other things that it has to go through, test cell, and it has to make oh, it yeah. run it and all this shit. So, but once you see that same plane, that that same engine that you worked on for a whole for, for a lot of time, and you see that fucking plane take off, yeah, it's pretty fucking badass. Yeah, that's you know cool, I mean? man. Yeah, that's that's accomplishment. Burner, and you see the fucking flames come out of a fucking F-16. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. Hey, man. But, but I, can't fix, but I can't fix a fucking fuse in my 2003 shit truck. Well, you know, <laughs> you, you got to have a, a freaking six years of schooling to do that these days on them. You know? Yeah, yeah it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous. It is, man. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, man. Like, you fucking, how often do you race it? We've, man, we've been out probably every other weekend for the last three months with that thing, ever since the, the tracks opened up after this COVID crap, yeah. uh, it's, it's been nuts. So we've, I, I, we got a late start. So I said, man, I'm going to hit up everything I can hit up. Yeah. We, we do nostalgia drag racing, which is all the old cars. I race with a group called the uh, great lakes gassers where it's all cars, like period, like mine. And we just go out and have fun, man, put on a show, do wheelies, whatever burnouts, you know, nice. for the kids and people. Yeah. And we just, we just have a good old time, man. That's cool. Did this whole coronavirus nonsense that it did it fuck you up as far as work? I was off for a month. All right, um, it's not that bad. No, no. I you know I service I, I service Hilos right now, so I, I go around to different you know GM and Fords, and when they went on shutdown, a lot of our accounts just went on shutdown. Yeah. So they were like, you know what, you're gonna take a you know a leave for thirty days. Well, I thought it was gonna be longer, but they called me back, so whatever I, you know All that right. was cool yeah man it could have been a fucking hell of a lot worse man oh totally yeah i've, I've been fortunate man I, I count the blessings every day you know yeah oh me too man i i haven't stopped working which is which is beautiful that's good man yeah yeah it's thank god yeah it's a fucking there's a lot of people hurting it's it's, it's especially in new york it's so fucked up over here man it's yeah uh, I, I won't even get into that because Every episode and, and just in everyday life. And so everyone's just talking about how fucked up it is. Yeah. Um, yo, let me, I want to shout out my sponsors real quick. Yeah. Um, are you a coffee guy? Yeah, I do drink coffee. All right. Dead sled coffee. All right. Heard of that. Did you? Yeah, I've heard of it. All right. Dead sled coffee. Follow them on Instagram at dead sled coffee. Um, they just they 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 actually um they did a special brew with the band Wisdom and Chains from from Pennsylvania. Yeah, they, that's where I seen it. Yeah, um, the ska band, the New York City ska band, the Toasters. Mm. They just did one with that, and they just signed a legit deal, and they have like it's all licensed and everything. They just signed. It's called their Nightmare Brew, and they 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 linked up with Robert Englund, fucking Freddy Krueger. Oh wow. Yeah, it's fucking awesome, dude. That is pretty cool, yeah, man. I'm a coffee guy, I'm a horror guy, and I'm a music guy. So it's like fucking perfect. There you, you go. Know? And it's run by a couple of people, very small, but they have really cool shit. But um, 
If you go to deadslikecoffee.com and you type in the promo code Brooklyn Blast, you'll okay. get 15% off your order and anything over $40 is free domestic shipping. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, man. So it's pretty cool. So if you want to get yourself some coffee, we'll try a little something to support the fans. You have to check it out. Have at it. Not just you, to the kids listening. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So follow them at Dead Slide Coffee everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And shout out to Mike for hooking it up. Um, Generation Records, 210 Thompson Street in the West Village. I'm sure you've probably been in there. You ever been in there? Been in Bleaker Bob's. Uh, Bleaker Bob's is a sushi spot now. No way. Yeah. That's that's where I got my first breakdown seven inch in like 1990 when I was out there. Oh, the 87 seven inch. Yep. Oh, it's 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 top three. <laughs> it's top three seven inches ever. Dude, it's the best, man. It's it so really is. Good. Jeff just sounds like an angry man. Oh, dude, breakdown was like one of my favorite bands, man. Coming up, yeah, dude. Yeah, so Bleak of Bob's is a fucking sushi joint, man. I actually ate in there with my girl, and I'm like, I don't like this place. Even though the food was good, I'm like, I'm sitting right now where, like, the fucking A to fucking D vinyl section used to be. Oh, that it's sucks, just, man. It was, it's terrible. It's a bougie fucking Asian fusion Taiwanese. I don't fucking know. But uh, Generation Records is um, 210 Thompson Street in the West Village. It's like a block away from Bleak of Bob's. Um, follow them at Generation Records on Instagram. And if you go to generationrecords.bigcartel.com that's their online store so if you can't go to the brick and mortar spot you can get a whole bunch of shit on there but they also they survived this whole coronavirus thing so they're back open um i think they they, i don't know maybe like 11 in the morning to like seven at night i think or maybe eight to eight something like that anyway go to generationrecords.com and you'll find their hours but support those guys because they're one of the last ones on the block dude you know, yeah. buying vinyl and T-shirts. I mean, you buy anything from like, you know, fucking Murphy's Law T-shirts, Agnostic Front T-shirts, the Slayer T-shirts, like the whole half of downstairs is all T-shirts, posters, vinyl, CDs, books, everything. Um, who else do we have? New Republic Printing. NewRepublicPrinting.net for screen printing, embroidery, vinyl stickers, and buttons. Follow them on Instagram at New Republic Printing. And... Here it is, Enzo. Um, no screen fees, no setup fees. And if you get your orders shipped to any commercial address, like your job, it's free UPS ground shipping. Nice. It's ridiculous because if you order a thousand shirts and you get 25 boxes delivered, it doesn't cost you a dime. Wow. Which is awesome. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. I've been using them for literally about a decade now for things I've done in the past and whatever. So shout out to Steve McCarthy and New Republic Printing. And last but not least, how do you feel about a nice brand new pair of socks, Enzo? You like oh, a man. pair of socks? Man, I'm always searching for socks every morning. Yeah, I could go for a nice new pair. <laughs> you can go for a nice new pair? All right. <laughs> Crew socks. I heard about this from Billy Biohazard because Billy oh, yeah. has like a hand and they, he helps them out. Yeah. Crew socks. C-R-U-S-O-X. Follow them on Instagram and everywhere. Crew socks. But what they do, they're not just a sock spot. Sock spot. They, um, if you buy one pair of socks, they donate a pair of socks to people in need. That's awesome. Yeah. You buy two, you buy two pairs. They donate three pairs. You buy three pairs, they donate five pairs. Wow. 
Yeah, it's run by a husband and wife, and they're like teachers or something like that. But for some reason, they got wrapped up in socks, and they do good shit with it. Hey, I don't know. Wrong with that. Everybody yeah, needs man, socks. Yeah, you pay a nice pair of socks, and you get someone else gets a pair too. And then that's exactly. just like white tube socks. Like there's like cool shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, crewsocks.com. Help them out. Check them out. Sponsors. Yeah. Those are my sponsors. Good shit. Good sponsors. Yeah, small, small little business people. You know, the, the little guy. You got to help. That, that's that's who we need to support. You know. Yeah, man. Forget like these big corporations. Yeah, the underdogs. Yep. You know, underdog guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, man. So shit, what else is going on, bro? What you have? Um, I was gonna say. Well, you have the new Dogs of War stuff coming out. Um, shit. You have your race car. What's your race car? You have you have like an Instagram for your race car, right? Don't you? Yeah. What is it? I don't I don't remember off the top of my head. It's like uh, so it's it's Russo Santo Willys. Okay. So if you so if, so if you type that in, you'll check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There's um there's a guy. His name is Brian Darwis. I think it's uh Atomic Hot Rods on Instagram. He okay. Was, yeah. Uh, you know who he is? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I had him on this podcast a long time, like a while back, because he um he made like a film, he made like an independent like horror movie and okay. he all this hot rod stuff, and he was really like into like Manson. Okay, I could talk Manson. I could talk Manson all day long, uh. but uh, yeah, big time. But uh, so I had him on. So I don't know if you knew him or not, but he's into all that stuff. So I don't know, man. Like he rebuilds like all those like it looks like your car. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if he does race cars, but it's like the same kind of gearhead stuff. And it's dope. Like I said, I wish I knew how to do that shit. Yeah, it's a labor of love. Yeah. Isn't a lot of things that we do. It's like for real. I make like no money doing this. I make no money doing so many <laughs> things I do. It's just, I love to do it, so I fucking do it. You the know? same with me, brother. You know? Yeah, man. It's a love of the heart. It is. It is. Shit. All right. So so listen, um, you probably know this already, but like this will go up on YouTube th- just raw, just the way it is from where we start to where we finish. But the audio version where it's everywhere, mm-hmm. we'll get my intro. And I have to ask you, you need to pick a song from one of your previous bands that I'm going to tack on to the end of this episode and throw it out there. Oh, that's a tough one right there. I know. It's like choosing a child. Yeah, <laughs> you can't do it, you know. Ah, uh, I don't know. We hate the world from Hate Inc. Oh, bro, so good, so fucking good. Yeah, that's another thing, man. I don't, I'm not sure if if Tom will call him Tom because I know he's a different man nowadays. Yeah. Um, I know that. I don't know if he heard the 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 Jeff episode, but I think I don't even I I very rarely listen back anymore. You know what I mean? But I don't know if I mentioned it. But if he listens to that, or if he listens to this, I want to talk to that dude so mm-hmm. bad. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. know if he'll do it. I don't know. I know he's turned over a whole new leaf in life. So right. I mean, obviously he could tell me to go fuck myself and uh, I had enough said, you know what I mean? Fine, well, and good. But I yeah. would have the opportunity to talk to that guy. Fucking Hate Incorporated, fucking ridiculously underrated. Dogs of War, ridiculously underrated. Um, yeah, man. Fucking, yeah, we hate the world. It's a fucking 
It's a banger for you kids. You don't you don't want to you don't want to add a dogs of war song as well. I'll put two. All right. Um Undisputed. Oh, nice. Shit. Yeah. Oh, you all you kids need to fucking smarten up about fucking Detroit hardcore if you're not already. Because it's it's ridiculous. Man. It's on the map. It's on the fucking map. It needs to be in the forefront a little bit more than it is, I feel. Oh, for I'm, real. I don't know. I'm biased for no reason. I just I'm biased because it's just uh, I'm biased with you. It's like the <laughs> yeah, you have a reason you b- grew up around there. I should be biased about like Gnostic Front, which of course they're one of my favorite bands ever. Me too, man. I, how could they not be? But it's just like, you know, I'm not even from Detroit, but I don't know. I'm, I I your guy's shit is fucking the hardest shit ever. So I don't know. And it's real. It's not like this cookie cutter. You know, I I, can't, I I want to be getting into that shit about what's hardcore nowadays. Oh, that's a whole nother topic. Oh, dude. It's like, oh, check out this band. This band, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right. Oh, they're good. They're, oh, they're like this fucking, oh, everyone's going crazy for them. But so I'm like, I heard this band 85 times before. Yeah. I've heard this song. It's not right. that song, but I heard this song yeah. dozens of times. Yeah, I hear you, man. I, I can't even get into too much newer stuff and hardcore, man. I, I really don't yeah. listen. I mean, I still like, you know, love Mad Ball and you know, A Up okay. and all that stuff. Well, those like, are your staples. Those are your but but course. there's you know, they're 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 always putting out good music too, though. You know, sick of it all. It's like, you know, I, I still love them guys. You know, I grew okay. up to them guys, but it's like to to find something new that's unique it's I, for me. Very far a few between. I'd rather listen to some old some oldies do wop, you know what I mean? Before yeah. I'm gonna go, the other stuff just stresses me out nowadays. Yeah. I listen, I'm gonna probably say, I listen to like the same 35 records for fucking 30 years. Dude, <laughs> I hear you though, man. You know, I hear you. The same 35 records you throw in a demo yeah. here and there, like a new band, like, like you yeah. know, who's a fucking great great band that I wish was still around. Outburst. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> no but they were very long lasting and they're, they're relatively recent. There's a band, you might've heard of them called Manipulate. I've seen the name. I haven't heard their music though. Well, J- Bosky, Jonathan Bosky from like Terror and now Maximum Pepsi okay. bass player. Nice. Um, so fucking um Yvonne, he who played who who sang for a little while in Scarhead. Um, okay, yeah. They're called Manipulate, and they have two demos and a full length. Nice. And it's it sounds it's it it reminds me of like that raw Detroit shit, but they're from New York. Okay. I feel like this called Becoming Madness. It came out several years ago at this point. But to check I'm, it out. Dude, check it out. I'll send you a link to their shit. Okay, cool. You'll listen, and it's like, you'll get it. Like, that was, like, the best band over the last, like, eight years, I'm going to say, that I've heard. Yeah, well, you know, the, the, the bands I can listen to are usually bands like that that got old members of other bands. You know what I mean? Well, and that's usually what it is. It's not like they're not they're not trying to be somebody, or they're not trying to have the hardest riffs to where it's like dude it's like you said yeah i heard the same band 80 times you know yeah 
Yeah, it's like, it's like I can predict exactly what's going to happen. It's like, okay, you're going to talk about how uh, you're going to kick someone's face in, and then it's going to be a dr it's, it's going to be a drop, and then they, there's going to be a uh, China symbol, and then there's going to be the same beatdown. That's it. Thing, and then you're going to yell at me a little bit more, and then it's going to be the same, and then the next song, and it's going to be the same thing again. It's too bad it's gotten to that point. Gets boring, dude. Boring. It's totally boring. Yeah, <laughs> unique shit out there. Yeah. I'm trying to sound like your friend's band. Do something right. you want to do. Exactly. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, dude, <laughs> listen. Thank you so much for your fucking time. Hey, thank you, great, brother. Man. This was awesome. Thank and uh, this will drop in a couple of weeks. But you know, with friends on Facebook and follow yeah. each other on the Instagram. So I'll tag you and all the shit. I'll let you know exactly. I'll hit you up when this is over. I'll let you know exactly what the date is and all that stuff. So all right. Share it if you want. And that's that. And all you kids out there, if you what 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 are you on? You're on you recently your personal page is recent on Instagram. Which yeah. is Enzo underscore Detroit. Yep. Follow the kids. Yes. And go to Blast for uh the Brooklyn Blast Furnace on Instagram and hit the link in the bio and that's where you'll find the podcast wherever you'll find the YouTube and all that shit. But uh, yeah, man, this was awesome. Good times. And, uh, we'll, we'll definitely be in touch and then hopefully one day sooner rather than later we'll actually meet in person and we'll shoot the shit. I'm looking forward to that, brother. You too, bro. <laughs> all right, man. Be safe and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. God bless you, man. Later, brother. Peace.
Hey! 